lot of things I like about Wes and wish I was like him. One is memorizing sermons and wandering around on the platform, but uh, I won't do that. Another one I'll refer to later in the, past, in the message. It's good to be with you today. Let's just pray. I sense God's spirit here. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. In the words of scripture, in the music, in each other being here together from all parts of the world, we just are grateful. And we pray that we would remain in your spirit and that you would do a new thing in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I've heard this from other preachers, but I sense I'm very moved this morning. Don't know if I'll get through this sermon. I'm so thankful for the Lord. He's already met me here in this service. But I did want to start on a light note. Um, a word of thanks to the several dozen people who helped us move over the last several weeks while I stood back watching in a sling. And now you're wondering if it was all a joke, just so you'd do all the lifting and I didn't have to lift a thing. <laughs> well, six months ago, I got an unwelcome birthday present, a broken elbow. And I have been waiting and waiting for this day. But uh, I waited until all the moving was done, and so that was kind of smart. <laughs> But I am indeed thankful for all of you who prayed. Uh, I got the news this week that no surgery, implant, or anything would be needed. It just strikes me as how wonderful God is. But unlike that broken elbow birthday present, most birthday presents are happy, right? One of my best birthday presents, as I was trying to think back, was many years ago in Sierra Leone, West Africa. A couple of days before my birthday, our daughter Linda was born, and that was probably the most exciting actual in-time birthday present that we had. But I've had two other wonderful daughters, so they are all wonderful birthday presents who still keep giving to me. And thank the Lord for family. What about you? I mean, I couldn't even think of one birthday present as a kid. Maybe my parents were too poor, I don't know. But can you think of a good birthday present that you've gotten? Maybe you still like Maybe it's a favorite watch or something. Uh, anyway, uh, God has given us many wonderful presents over the life. But today, as we've already heard, is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate God's very special birthday present, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you notice the italics in the bulletin, I want us to sense that it's a birthday in the present as well. It's very much a birthday present for us today. You know, since December, we've been kind of walking through the great days of the church. In December, it was uh, Christmas, Jesus' arrival to show us God's great heart and character. Good Friday, the crucifixion, to show us God's great love for us and his forgiveness. And Easter, of course, the resurrection. Jesus' triumph to show us God's promise for eternal life. And then last Sunday, the Ascension Sunday, which Pastor mentioned isn't often on the big calendar of the big days, but it's Jesus' departure to reign and to assure us of his place and his prayers for us today. 
So the next big day on God's calendar is the second coming between the ascension, his second coming, when he will return to reign over the universe forever. But between those two, the ascension and the second coming, is Pentecost Sunday, or Pentecost. Tucked in between those two, and I want us to see that the fact that we are still part of that. As far as the big events, we're still in it, in the present. Right now, we are very much a part of the action of God in this world. We fit into the story. So I think we need to affirm and to experience the wonderful fact and power of Pentecost by receiving his gift anew. You know, to be very honest with you, and maybe all of you feel the same, and it's not just my broken elbow, but the last few months, in fact, several years, have seemed harder for me than 70 plus years. Of course, I didn't live through World War II and some other great things that have happened in our world. And maybe I've been far away from some of the trials and struggles of the world, although certainly those years in Sierra Leone just after we left with horrible civil war, those were horrible years. But it just seems like internally, at least in me, my life has been torn up in the last few years. And globally, it seems crazy, too. Difficult challenges even in my personal walk with God, as I found things like anger and stuff happening in my heart that I didn't think was there. After all, I'm a child of God. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. How do these things happen? Yeah, you know, that wasn't a surprise. That isn't a surprise to Jesus, these hard things. Jesus made much about his gift to the emerging church. And yet he said, wait, wait for it, he said. Yes, he prepared the church and he trained the disciples and he gave them a task to do. And yet he said, wait, 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 hold your horses. Wait for the Holy Spirit, that gift. So the disciples waited and prayed. Leslie Newbegin, I have to quote him just as much as uh, Pastor West quotes Dennis Kinlaw. Uh, he's my guy, British missionary to India. He said, mission or the task that God gave us is not something that the church does. It is something that is done by the spirit who himself is the witness, who always goes before the church. You'll hear more about that. But that's what we're waiting for. And so the disciples waited. 50 days after the Passover up to the next big feast of the Jewish faith. And Jerusalem again is filled with pilgrims from all over the world. Like our platform today had the South American, Latin American uh, group here today. So glad to have them. And uh, we are a diverse church in many ways. So Jerusalem was full of people from all over the parts of the world. How appropriate that the Jewish feast of celebrating the harvest and celebrating the gift of the law that God gave the gift to his people. This is the day that God chose to send his spirit and bring in the first great harvest. We didn't read it all, but 3,000 people were added, right, that day. First great harvest of the new church. 
And then they experienced what the prophets promised, prophesied, that they would have the law of God into their hearts rather than external, just as the prophets foretold. So Acts chapter 2 gives us the details, which again, we didn't read all. There had to be fireworks for this birthday. I don't know if any of you have had fireworks at your birthdays. I thought about John Cole's blowtorch that he uses out back at the outdoor services. We could have had some pyrotechnics here, but um, we couldn't get into that. Wes talked about the pulleys that would pull him up to the, to the sky last Sunday for Ascension Sunday. I, I don't have anything like that either. So there was the wind and the fire and the miracle of tongues. And I'll have to tell you folks that yesterday as I watched the wedding of Andrew and Nuke, and Wes started speaking in Thai, and Andrew stands there confidently speaking with Thai with all the tones, and the, I, I, I just thought we had a Pentecost all over again yesterday when Wes started talking in tongues. That was a very moving moment. And it was all about love, wasn't it? That was terrific, Wes. But those timid, anxious disciples of Jesus received the present that Jesus had told them to wait for, and they turned into the bold, witnessing, empowered church. The new infant baby church burst onto the scene. And the book of Acts tells us the rest of the story. It's not so much the Acts of the Apostles as usually our Bibles call it, as it is the acts of the Holy Spirit. You look through the book of Acts, I found at least 60 references that were relevant to this sermon, not just using the word spirit, but actually talking about the Holy Spirit in the lives of the church, doing many things through them. And so it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. We boast about the early church. Some people say, well, I want to be like the early church. We're an Acts church. We're a New Testament church. But remember, it's a newborn church. I've seen on Facebook, you know, these pictures of these beautiful big mares that give birth to a little tiny foal, a little horse. We see them up here at the equestrian. I guess they don't have foals. But anyway, and this little tiny horse is born and within hours is up on its gangly legs. And they say within 24 hours is prancing around the corral like it's born to do that. There's something in its DNA that says, run. And I just, somehow that picture came to me for the church in the book of Acts. Born one day and galloping through the book of Acts like it doesn't know what's different. It's in its DNA. That's the Holy Spirit in the church. And it's the same with us. Our DNA is the Holy Spirit. Our life and drive is the Holy Spirit in the church. But listen, Jesus made another thing very clear, or made three things very clear at the end of the Gospels and throughout his teaching, even in the first couple day, uh, verses of Acts chapter 1. Three things about this new church. It was going to be hard going. It wasn't going to be easy. He never, you know, waved it over and said, oh, it's just going to be a piece of cake. It's going to be very difficult until I come back again. 
I don't know where we got the idea that it's going to be just a bed of roses. It's all going to be easy. So like these last two years or one year or several months with COVID or whatever, is, it's just really, uh, what happened? What happened to God's promise? No, he, he told us it was going to be hard. Second thing he told us is that we are to be his witnesses. We're to display Jesus to the world and tell others. That's our mission. And third, he says, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Those are the three clear things that Jesus told us. And the book of Acts demonstrates it clearly. I mean, look through those first chapters. They were called before the authorities. They were a despised minority. There were threats and arrests and a stoning and misunderstanding and conflicts, internal and external, persecution, right here with this little tiny new baby church facing those things. Should we expect any different now? No, we don't. It's a lot like today. But over and over again, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church and it rose up to meet the challenge and witness for Christ. It must be no different for us today. Church, we need to reopen our birthday present in the present. We need a fresh and daily filling of the Holy Spirit today. Now, there's so much we could learn about the Holy Spirit, and we've been having several Sundays on the Sunday morning Zoom with some of our folks sharing about the whole scripture, the Old Testament, Book of John, Book of Romans, Corinthians, some teachings on the Holy Spirit. I know it has scratched the surface, but it's been a blessing to me. There's so much we could learn. And it's a way, in a way, the Holy Spirit works in each of us internally, and it works in the church corporately. Think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the birthday gift for every believer. Uh, we heard that in the scripture. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Corinthians, everyone who calls Jesus Lord is born of the Spirit. So there's the internal work of the Spirit in our lives. And then the Spirit produces the life of Christ in us. You can call that all kinds of things, sanctification. There's the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And we learn to walk with the Spirit. So much of that is covered, I find it, especially in the, the epistles of the New Testament. But today, I just want us to think especially about the corporate work of the Holy Spirit amongst us, the church. What about the Spirit's work in us as a whole? And months ago, I found a book that was not packed. I don't know. We've had our books packed for several years. But God was in this sermon, I guess. I found my book, Michael Green's book, a British evangelical scholar back in my day, so it's probably not somebody you've heard about. His title is 30 Years That Changed the World, the Book of Acts. 30 Years That Changed the World. He said, the spirit and the church belong together, but it is noteworthy in Acts that the Holy Spirit always takes the lead. It's always the church. Uh, the, the spirit who leads the church, not the church that drags the spirit around and says, do what we say. The Holy Spirit always takes the lead. And so he goes on just from Acts chapter 2 
to look at the things which we didn't have time to read this morning, but starting around verse 42, you know that famous paragraph. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed and all the believers were together and had everything in common. You know, this is my New Testament church. This is what I want to be. They sold their property and possession. Well, I don't know about that. To give to anyone who had need. Everyone, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their hearts. They, in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, and so on. So Green just took that little section and said, those are the marks. Those are the signs. That's the evidence of a spirit-filled church. You ever had anybody criticize your church? Well, they don't have the spirit there. Well, their music just isn't spiritual enough, or they're just not alive enough, or, well, they just don't believe things quite right. We love to criticize each other in the church, whether it's somebody in California or somebody else. You know, we love to do that. Well, here Green says, here are the marks. And I just kind of changed them a little bit, and I got to go beyond chapter 2 and just mention several others in the rest of the book of Acts. But what would, what would demark, what would show that this is a spirit-filled church? Well, they're thrilled to belong to it. You see that, brothers, what shall we do? We want in. What shall we do? We want in. And uh, later, they, it talks about them wanting to be together in verse 37. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws us, first of all, to want to be part of the church. So that's his work. And then when he works in our hearts, we want to be together. We want to be with the church, thrilled to belong to each other. That's why we're so happy to see faces, people in our church. And uh, outside too. Keep it up, folks. And then second of all, we're bold to speak for Jesus. It says later in, in the book of Acts that they declaring the wonderful works of God, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And of course, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what Peter says to the authorities when they drag him in. In the book of Acts, they're just always talking about Jesus. You know, we need to share our testimonies. You need to meet with a group of people regularly. You can say, this is what God is doing in my life. You need to be thinking of the barber or the storekeeper or the truck driver or the UPS deliverer. And how much do they see Jesus or hear about Jesus from you? That's our job. That's a sign of the spirit-filled church. Third, they were hungry to learn together, anxious to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They didn't know it all. They wanted to learn more, and so they spent time around the teaching of the word. And that's something we need a hunger for. You know, we've been a little bit out of the habit of meeting together, say, in Sunday school or small groups, perhaps, or we've been forced to be, let's put it that way. Well, that's good. We never have to go back to that again, you know. We're all set now. We know enough. Oh, no, if you're a spirit-filled church, you are longing to get together around the word. Going to the park on Sunday isn't going to take the place of Sunday morning church just because we've been cut off for a while. I know it's gotten hard sometimes just watching and streaming in your living room. Parents have told us it's hard to keep the kids' attention. 
But if the Spirit is in our hearts, we are longing to get together. Fourth, keen to pray. Maybe this is the most important and maybe the main emphasis of this message. Praying together. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread and to prayer. And on and on as you go through the book of Acts, at least 17 out of the 28 chapters, prayer meetings are some of the main action in the book of Acts. We need to pray together. Pray for the unsaved, for that driver or that clerk or for that worker at my office. Pray for yourself and confess your sins to one another. Be accountable. I think small group prayer is the future of the church. Not that we don't meet corporately, but you need to have three or four that you can pray with regularly, weekly, and be praying for God to turn the world upside down. <laughs> Number five, I won't talk much, but verse 45, willing to give. Willing to give, and we're so thankful for how generous God's people have been. And I think of the generosity that you don't see in the, in the yearly campaign plan, what well, we used to call it the budget. I can't think of what we call it now. What is it, Wes? <laughs> anyway, there's giving that's done in this church that's way beyond what anybody knows. Helping the needy, helping those in special situations. Willing to give. Number six, longing to be together in joyful worship and shared hospitality. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I love the music today. Don't you just love it when we can joyfully sing together? So in this long period here of COVID, we're eager, too, to be together. The remedy to our struggles to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I did jump ahead in the book of Acts, just a few others that I thought were clear signs, marks of the spirit-filled church. In chapter 6, you see a little squabble come up about the Greeks and the Jewish widows and who's feeding who and who's being left out. Sounds kind of typical of squabbles that go on, doesn't it? Sometimes it's over tribalism or ethnicity, and sometimes it's over other things I won't get into. The Grecian Jews among them complained against those of Aramaic-speaking community. Well, what's the mark of the church? They work, pray, and work towards unity. And what did they chose? They chose men filled with the Holy Spirit to minister to each other. The Holy Spirit was a big part of that remedy. A spirit-filled church is a unified church, working through the issues. There were cultural issues that come up later in Acts, theological issues that come up later in Acts. I could name the chapters, but the church is always working towards unity, not division. There was one period in our lives in Sierra Leone where division became so evident. The original church building at the headquarters in Sierra Leone and McKinney was no farther away than Amanda Cox's house. I mean, not even closer than that. Maybe the office building next attached to the church. That was the old building. Then they built a beautiful big church with lots of money from somewhere, and they were the best church in Sierra Leone. And that's where we attended and worshiped. And then a spirit of division came. Tribalism came. 
rebellion from authority came. And that congregation split. And some of them met 20 feet away in the old building, and some of them met in the big building and called themselves Christians, worshiping and praising God, separated by a wall of animosity. And Debbie and I would get knocks on our door that say, come to our service. Oh, no, come to our service. Thank God there was a spiritual leader named Sori Kamara. He was my boss, 29 years old, filled with the Spirit, who preached the unity of God, Christ in the Holy Spirit. And eventually that breach was broken down and the church came together. Isn't division a horrible thing? But a mark of a spirit-filled church is unity. And then, if I can find where I am, <laughs> there was one more that I wanted to mention, and that is the leadership of the Holy Spirit in everything the church did. As you go through the book of Acts, you find the Holy Spirit prompting Philip to go into the to the, down to the desert to meet the eunuch. And you find the Holy Spirit prompting somebody else to do this and somebody else to do that. It was always the church waiting for the Holy Spirit and sometimes the Holy Spirit changing plans like Paul's plans and he went over to Massachusetts. The Holy Spirit was in We listen. We must put ourselves before him and say, come Holy Spirit, we repent of self, and sin and pride and anger and our plans and our programs and you're in charge and then listening to the Holy Spirit he might prompt us to talk to somebody prompt us to connect with somebody prompt us as a church somebody saying well what new programs are you going to have as a result of COVID it's not up to COVID it's not up to our wisdom it's up to the Holy Spirit what we do the Holy Spirit's in charge, and there's great things ahead of us. Great things ahead of us. Can it happen outside of the book of Acts? Well, I dug a little book out of my stuff, and there's a book written in 1951, of course, about the revival in Houghton. Now, that's not the last revival that's happened in Houghton. I hope it's not, at least. But there was a great moving of the Spirit, and it wasn't planned. It happened by the Holy Spirit. And suddenly chapels were canceled and services were all day long and people were here late at night in this church. I was four years old and I sat right there and I saw grown adults hugging each other who had fought with each other in Houghton? Well, maybe. And we sang into the night and people came from California and from all over to see what God was doing in Houghton. And Dr. Stephen W. Payne wrote about it this way, the Lord has been pleased to visit Houghton with a deep and far-reaching revival. Through this means, God searched us all, refined us, and rearranged our plans. Such a visit makes great demands on us. It demands our utmost and continued consecration. Such a visit also provides an, an assurance to you, namely, that God still is still the God of revivals, that believers can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that when the church is thus blessed, 
Sinners are awakened who otherwise would continue their sleep of death. Seen any new believers come into this church? It'll happen if we're a spirit-filled church and he wants to do it. So what does it take? I think I can just summarize what we've heard. Pray, pray, pray alone, pray with others, ask for a fresh filling, pray for the love, the desire to witness. Join the seven o'clock online link at the Wesleyan Church and watch, as I did this morning at 7 a.m., people pray in different languages from around the world in the Wesleyan family, asking God to send them, fill them, and send them. And then wait, listen, obey, do what the Spirit says. Don't get ahead of him. Allow the Holy Spirit to call the shots. And then keep Jesus the main focus. The Spirit always glorifies Jesus, not our own agendas and our own schemes. The world won't be confused by a fractured church, won't, would be confused, but if Jesus is number one, they won't be confused by mixed signals. We're following the Holy Spirit. Jesus, if we are, Jesus is who they will see. We mustn't test, grieve, or resist the Spirit. There's a whole bunch of that in the book of Acts. And if we ask, he gives. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I believe in 2021 and on the wake of our birthday celebration, God will grant a rebirth, a renewal of his church. Question is, do we want it? Are we willing to wait and ask for the Holy Spirit? He is ours, he's available. Just pray with me. Lord, we don't know what to pray except we love you and long for you. We want our passion and our desires to be your passion and your desires, or maybe the other way around, we want your passion and desires and plans to be our plans. And we want to lift up Jesus in everything we do as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>